Okay, let's see here. I don't know if he's going to pick up. I texted him. Hi, you've reached Jake Moyer. I'm not able to get to the phone right Son now. Son of a bitch. Leave me a message or shoot me a text. Thanks. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hey, Jake, it's me, your co-host at the podcast, Refreshingly Honest Christian, just here recording the intro without you. Say hi to all of our listeners, but you can't. You can't because you didn't pick up. I texted you. I was like, I sent you a really heartwarming message about, I got to say, man, thanks for doing the podcast with me. You didn't respond. And then I texted you again three hours later, granted that was like seven minutes ago, but still, whatever. It's fine. Thought you would have picked up by now, but whatever. I'm just gonna I'm gonna record the podcast intro without you. The show must go on, as they say. So, <laughs> moving on here. Uh, all right, my friends. David Metcalf here, if you don't already know, with Refreshing the Honest Christian. I am your host, and uh, Jake Moyer could not be here with us on the phone because he's he's too good for us apparently. And uh, that's okay. We're just going to move on without him. Today's show, uh, actually, we're, we have a conversation together, both Jake and I. We had a podcast guest by the name of Nate Hansen. He is, I guess you already know that by now because you clicked on this episode, and it says Nate Hansen from Almost Heretical. He is uh, a co-host of a podcast, a uh, great podcast, might add. You should check it out. But we get into a lot of stuff about his background. We talk a lot about kind of what led him to uh, where he is now in his faith and some of the things that he's wrestled with. So just a bunch of really good stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for you to get into it. Uh, but before we do, just so you know, we have a Patreon. If you want to support the show, if you get anything from these conversations, you can support the podcast and engage that way. You can go to patreon.com slash refreshingly honest Christian. We have three tiers available with different rewards, so you can go check those out over at patreon.com slash refreshingly honest Christian. And uh, that'll be the end of that plug. We're doing some cool stuff. Just know if you go check it out, it'll be worth your while. So check it out, patreon.com. Buy us a coffee. There you go. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Nate Hansen. Enjoy. Nate Hansen, welcome to the show. Yeah, so excited to be here with you guys. Yeah, man, it feels like a long time coming. We had your co-host, Tim. Literally, he was like the fourth episode we ever recorded. He came awesome. in. This was all pre-COVID, long before. Oh, yeah, and, we, uh, we got beers with him beforehand. We did. He vetted us. He made sure we were cool enough. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we talked about you, talked about your show, and I was like, Tim, you got we got we to gotta have him on sometime. And he was like... Yeah, whatever. We never really followed up. So <laughs> so here we are, like a year and a half yeah. later. A year and a half in what feels like a lot longer than a year and a half because it's one Seriously. of those years. Like, part of that was just such a crazy, I mean, 2020, right? It's just yeah. Crazy. yeah. 
Yeah, it's chaos. No, it's it's crazy for sure. Yeah, man, it, we're just excited to have you with us. And um, you run a podcast called Almost Heretical. I know you guys were on a little bit of a break, but you're jumping back in. It sounds like. But yeah, man, we just wanted to have you on talk talk a little bit about you, your background, a little bit of your journey of faith. And so I know that you are a former pastor. Why don't you give us the background? Tell us about yourself. All that good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Wow. The background. Um, the background goes, I often joke that I was like born in the back pew of the church. I mean, because the small Baptist church that I grew up in, in Oregon here in Portland, Portland area, you know, my great grandmother was a founding member and my, one of my sets of grandparents got married there. When the other set of grandparents went there, my, my parents got married there. And, you know, I was the junior high, I led junior high worship. I led high school worship. And then eventually, and this is, you know, if you were in the church, you know what I'm going to, you know what I'm talking about here, but then I led for big church, right? Yeah, big church, you, know, you grew up in the big church. You right? worked your way up. I just remember that, you know, big church. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So just very big part of my life, very big part of my identity grew up there. And, um, eventually, I mean, every story leaves a ton out, but eventually uh, (laughs) I remember sort of, I guess where my, where ministry started for me, where I felt that call was, um, I remember being at a high school camp in um, Portland area. It's like a winter camp that my art, my church's denomination did every year. And yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. We what, know, we winter, know all about that stuff. Yeah. What camp okay. was okay. it, man? What camp were you at? It was, uh, it was called winter youth celebration. Was it was at the Washington family ranch? No, no. Okay. So I said camp, I, I camp's probably the wrong word. It was, uh, it was a at retreat. a hotel in oh. retreat. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, it was oh, like, I a, like, it. like a conference. Weekend conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For high schoolers. And it was at the, it was like Jansen beach area. Oh, cool. Um, every year, every year. So, but one year Francis Chan came and spoke and oh. I just remember like, I was just, I was hooked. I was like this, it just felt like it got a hold of my life, the message. And I just, I was all in from that point on. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to be in ministry. I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to, I'm going to do it all. And that was sort of the start of everything. Um, I, I don't remember. I was probably like a junior in high school something like that. Um, you were on fire for the Lord from a young age on fire. Yeah. On fire for the Lord. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, and then, That's awesome. um, from there, you know, I just kept leading worship and I think, you know, the next sort of thing that happened, I remember being, I think I was, I was a senior, I was, I was going to Portland state. So I stayed local and I was taking the bus in every day, my senior year of, of college. And I was listening to a Francis sermon on the way in Francis sermon on the way out, mixing some David Platt in there and just this, you know, getting further into this, into this movement and just really felt like I was supposed to go to Southern California where Francis's church was when I graduated college. And I didn't, you know, I was a communication major, wanted to do radio, wanted to do some form of media and, so I started applying down there, started looking for, you know, connections and places to go and got a job. It's crazy. It's crazy looking back, but I got a job producing, it was called the largest Christian talk show in America. And I thought, you know, they give me this fancy title, but in reality, they just wanted to pay me nothing and uh, <laughs> have me do like three jobs as this fr- guy fresh out of college. But yeah, wait, yeah. but so it was, you said, it's the, yeah. you said it was called the largest Christian radio station. Is that That's the name the, of the show? That's not the name of the show. <laughs> oh, God. We don't need to name the show. That's fine. But it would be funny if that was the name of the show. 
that was the that was not the name, but is you know they thrown around in marketing material and stuff like that. Yeah, um, they just had a big a big following. It sounds like it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and partially because it's in LA, one of the bigger markets. So so it's K Love yeah. is what you're saying. No, I'm kidding. That's probably <laughs> like what like the South. I don't know. That is actually out of Northern California, Rockland. Okay. Oh, nice. Nice. Okay. So, no, okay. no, it's all so good. It's all good. I don't mind it. That's, it was, uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I don't mean to interrupt. I was okay. just asking. So, uh, you were doing this rate, you were, you were working your way up. You were not getting paid. It sounds like you were an intern. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was getting paid and I was the producer of the show. I, uh, they just didn't, uh-huh. <laughs> they just didn't pay a lot. Cause it was right at, it was 2008. So it was the financial oh, yeah. crisis and, uh, yeah, Obama had just gotten elected, and you know, Christian conservative talk radio was pretty, uh, pretty sad about that. And it was just funny to me. And because, but I, I went down. I didn't go down there for radio. I went down there to be a part of Francis's church to like learn about you know how they're doing church a bit differently. And there was a Bible college attached to that that church, Cornerstone, and went to audit classes there. And just you know, I I, I talk about it like this was the beginning of my radicalization, mm. and. You know, some people feel like that's a pretty edgy word to use, but I mean, David Platt wrote a book called Radical, you know, like that was, I'm not making this terminology up. Like that was, that's what was supposed to happen is we were supposed to get radicalized. Mm. And so that was sort of, you know, Simi Valley was sort of the, the boot camp. I feel like when I moved down there, so the radio was, you know, I have this like two different ends of the spectrum here. I had like the conservative Christian it's, it's funny now, like, you know, Trump's cabinet that he put together and like different advisors he had. And like, I remember a lot of those guys were guests on our show. Wow. That's crazy. And it's just funny. Like looking back, it's like, wow. But I just remember being at the radio show and just feeling like, ah, oh, we don't need to be focused on politics. We need to be focused on Jesus and the gospel. And we need to be, you know, this is like, this is the wrong direction. And yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. And now, you know, I feel like actually probably a bit more focused on politics, but <laughs> decoupled from Republican, um, <laughs> yeah. the Republican story a little bit, but. So at this yeah. time, you're the producer of the show or are you a talk show host or both? I was the producer of the show. Okay. So booked all the guests, came up with some of the topics. It was weird because I didn't want to be doing that, but I also just enjoyed radio and it was kind of foot in the door to, to radio. But yeah, I was primarily there for the Christian community around Cornerstone Church and Francis Chan and trying to kind of learn from that as I sort of launched my life of ministry is how I saw it going. Yeah. Um, and how old were you yeah. at that time? I was 21, I think, when I moved there. Gotcha. Is yeah. that yeah. is that where you met uh, Tim? No, that is, that's later in the story. Um, oh, so sorry. I you're getting ahead. way ahead. I jumped ahead. I'm how sorry. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> please, please go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Simi Valley, that, that time kind of ended. I moved back to Portland when I was trying to figure out what was going to be next and landed in uh or a few of my friends so francis and i i gotten to know francis a little bit in in simi valley and then one of my other friends from the church there they had moved to san francisco by this point and they invited me down to kind of check out the ministry that they were doing there so came down for uh, just a a day or two to kind of check it out right in san francisco right in the tenderloin district of san francisco i don't know listeners are familiar, but there's, it's, San Francisco's crazy because there's this, there's this area, there's this district called the Tenderloin District, which is just off Market Street. And and just across Market Street is like Soma. It's like where all the startups are and it's super expensive. And, but then on the other side of Market, there's this area, it's like drug addicts, 
people, it's kind of the city just kind of sweeps everyone into these, I think there's like 500, over 500 apartment old, they're like old hotels that are now single resident apartment complexes with shared bathrooms on the, the end of the hall. And they got like needle drop (laughs) boxes, you know, you know, like right in the, in the hallways and just super, super, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of weird to be in one of these and realize you're in San Francisco. It's just, it's, it's crazy. It's really yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. I've, been so there, I, I've been there before actually. Yeah. Yeah. I did a, like a mission trip there when I was in college for two weeks over Christmas. Okay. What, what ministry did you go to? It's <sighs> fact checking you. No, I'm, no, I, I'm no, I'm not fact checking. <laughs> I think it might be, I only know of oh, one or gosh. two ministries there. It might be ours. What do you remember about it if you can't remember the name? So we were, when I went there, we went, there was like a food kitchen and they yep. were remodeling these buildings. And I think it was probably 2000 and, uh, I started college in 2009. So probably 2011, maybe 10, 12, around there. I don't okay. know. I could pull Just, up if it was 12 probably. and you went to the ministry I was a part of, then we would have crossed paths, but... Uh, yeah. remodeling huh maybe they were remodeling yeah. i thought they were like we i just remember going to this building and taking a bunch of crap out of it like for one of the days yeah. that might have happened that might have but it was cool man i remember like this couple different guys i remember it started uh snowing at one point which everyone was like what it never what? shows here yeah like snowed for like half wow. a second but yeah it was gnarly man the tenderloin was a trip like we slept in we slept in the food kitchen area like on the ground and I remember literally waking up and having holes in my sleeping bags my sleeping bag from mice chewing through it. It was like kind of gross. <laughs> that's so that could, weird. That could very well be the be the build. I lived in that building and I I mean that's Yeah, it was mice there so. Yeah, it was a little wild. Sorry to cut you off, but I do remember that place being just uh super sad, but it seemed like that ministry it was huge ministry. Mm. Uh tons of people involved in it and I think they did like a either daily food like meals or something like that but yeah yeah that's crazy tenderloin i'm pretty sure that's the same one and uh, probably it's it, yeah it's been there like 30 years and uh-huh i could probably pull yeah. up pictures and sh- show you i'll i'll show you afterwards or something mm. yeah small world so to so, re- to recap Nate so up to this point so what i understand about your story so far this sounds like you, you said you were born in the pews I forget how you said it. <laughs> born in the back pew. Yeah, born in the back yep. pew. You're raised in a, it sounds like a, a Christian family, sounds like. Yeah. Yep. You got you, you got uh, fired up for the Lord in middle school because Francis Chan rocked your socks off. That sounds weird. But in middle school, that sounds so weird. And then, uh, anyway, so then you went <laughs> to go work at his church or be in his community yeah. Around when you were 21. And then you go back to Portland, you come back, then you go to San Francisco. Is that about right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. High school I met, I uh, first had the interaction with Francis and yeah, I would say grew up, grew up Christian. Family was, family was great. I'd say church like people wise was awesome. I had great experiences in church too, as well growing up. I want to add that in just, you know, I think some people hear my story now and, and pretty deconstructed, pretty uh, progressive, liberal Christian. I still call myself that kind of, but, um, so do I, and they're, Don't and they're like, you know, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, you know, so you just have, you're just bitter at the church or something. It's like, no, I, I honestly, my experience with the church was, was pretty positive. I didn't have like some 
you know, huge, horrible thing that happened. But when I do, when I look back at like growing up, it, there was, I think just the feeling of, of kind of guilt and just not good enough. And God's upset with me. And, you know, I don't think anyone ever said that, but that was just the feeling I had at a pretty reformed church growing up. And I, you know, and I think that makes sense then like when Francis kind of entered the picture, he's basically his message for people that aren't familiar was, was basically that it was like, we're, we're not, we're not doing enough for the Lord. We're not crazy enough in love with God. And so I heard that as like, I felt these things. I felt that I'm not. And now here's someone saying, no, you're not. And like, this is what it actually looks like to be on fire, to be crazy, to be radical for the Lord. And so that, I guess I viewed that as like, that's my way to, you know, fix these things that I'm feeling. Mm. But yeah, so San Francisco, the first year w- was that that was a part of that. Okay, no, no, no. So I go down for a couple of days. I got to tell this. I go down for a couple of days to check it out. My friend, uh, not Francis, but the other friend who had moved there is showing me around. He's um, part of the ministry. What, the, what the, we were doing there was these 500 apartment complexes where a lot of, you know, pretty old people that have been addicted to things for a long time. They're living there. And so what they were, what the ministry we were doing is like, we would go and each one of us would be like a pastor of one of these apartment complexes. You'd get to know them, you'd bring food, you'd pray with them, you'd start Bible studies, you'd do all this stuff um, and just kind of know the ins and outs of their life and try to build a relationship. And so I'm, I'm just there for a day, just exploring this ministry, seeing what they're doing. My friends walking me around. We're walking from the ministry building and it's about us a block and a half away to his apartment that not where he lives, but the ministry or the, the building that he's a pastor of. And we're just walking there and in the middle of San Francisco, this guy just punches him right in the mouth and he doesn't know the guy. And, uh, <laughs> like his punches two, the his pastor two, or wait. Wait. No, this guy on the street just punches my friend. Yeah, the one, like, oh. this guy that's the oh pastor of one of these buildings, you know? Oh, my God. And, uh, like, his tooth almost comes through his lip, and it's, it's pretty bad. And he, we just kind of, like, look at the guy, and we're like, what, like, why'd you do that? And the guy's like, I don't know, and walked walked away. Wow. Whoa. And I just remember thinking, I, and I share that story to say I was, this is, this is where I was at this time, was like, okay, I'm evaluating coming to this ministry. This feels dangerous. It feels risky. You know, there's poverty around here. There's it's there's a lot of brokenness. This is where I need the crazier the better. Basically, it's not uh, glamorous. It's not exactly. Yeah, you're exactly. not going to Hawaii for ministry like Jake. <laughs> <laughs> was that YWAM or? No, okay. it was Calvary Chapel. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I just shit okay. on you so hard, but <laughs> no, okay. yeah, I love it, <laughs> but I know what you mean. So you're, you were drawn to it for that reason. It was a little bit grittier than most. Well, and, and yeah. And like specifically like dangerous, I think, and kind of risky and like wanted mm. to put myself in a situation where God would have to like come through and be, but you know, almost like, I don't know if you're familiar with like the poverty gospel. Like if you're, if you're giving up enough of your stuff, if you're living in, risky, crazy, dangerous situations, then you're, you're maybe closer to the Lord. You're, yeah, you're yeah. a true Christian if you're doing that. So I think there was a bit of that. So I saw, I call it the punch that sent me to San Francisco because I was like, <laughs> yep, I'm in now. You know, most people would be out, but I was like, no, I'm in. That's, wow. this is what, this is what I wanted. So two months later, I think I moved, got all my stuff, moved down. And I was at that ministry for about a year. And yeah, I mean, I don't know that I saw there's, there's going to be stuff along the way in this story where I'm like, expect something and then don't see it. 
So it's like, I go to this place, I expect to see just miracles and I expect to see just crazy stuff happening left and right. You know, cause I remember Francis when he was talking about going to San Francisco, he's saying he gave up his church that he'd been at for 20 years in Southern California. And he's like, I want to just like live like ax. Now I want to go to fisherman's wharf and tell him, put your nets down on the other side of the boat. And they just pull up a bunch of fish. He's like, I want to see miracles. So I'm thinking that when I go there, I'm thinking that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to see. And I honestly don't, I honestly don't know if I saw like anything that I would consider miraculous or like definitely a work of the Holy spirit or something like that. Yeah. And so that was the first year, second year and third year, let's see the next two or three years. So Francis, me and another guy left that ministry and cause we wanted to start churches. We wanted to start like a house church movement in, in San Francisco and, and test the, a, a theory that if we didn't pay pastors, if we just had lay leaders, if we, if it was just about reading the Bible and just about worshiping together and not all the other stuff, like, could this be more authentic? Could this be more real? So yeah, that's went from the Tenderloin district to another district in San Francisco called Bayview. So we had two things going on. We had the, the church that we were, we started out of Francis's house with me, Francis, and maybe like 10, 15 other people we started with. And then we had a ministry building that we purchased in Bayview district for guys coming out of prison, essentially. So, oh wow, yeah, coming out of prison or just gangs, because that's what Bayview is. So whereas the Tenderloin is like homeless, drug addicts, generally a bit older population there, Bayview is like much younger. That's like gang violence, turf wars, that kind of thing going on there. That's like over by where Candlestick Park, whatever it's was called at the end. I don't know where the 49ers used to play that area. So a lot of projects over there and let's see back to the church. So it kind of was growing, you know, and I just, you know, it's hard. It's hard to know. Like when Francis is a part of something, when a Christian celebrity is a part of something, I mean, things tend to grow. People want to be a part of it. I don't know if we were like, <laughs> you know, like we were adding people just kind of from other churches, other ministries, kind of being a part of this thing we were doing. It did grow and we split it into a couple couple different churches, uh, a couple different houses. And so I was leading one at my house and someone else was leading one at their house. And yeah, it's like, here's another thing that I noticed when I'm leading at my house and um, Francis would kind of switch off going back and forth between the two houses. When he was at my house, everyone is, you know, prays differently, sings differently, uh, shares mm. different stories more passionately from that week. They draw connections into maybe works of the Holy spirit that they wouldn't have um, when he's not there. There's just, I get it though. I mean, like there's a chance that you might be in the next book. You might be spoken about at passion conference. Like people, even if they're not, it's subconscious or something. And I don't want to be like super skeptical here, but like, even if it's subconscious, I think that's, that is something that's going on in people's, in people's minds a bit, but yeah. So nope, not at all. No one else would ever think that <laughs> Nate, you're totally, no, I'm kidding. You're totally yeah. spot on, man. I mean, I feel like, so, I mean, just so you know that we know Francis Chan is like, He's a huge deal. Like, I totally get it. Like, he's like a big name in the Christian community. And I think for, you know, for good reason, too. Like, I think he, he, he even for me, I remember when I first heard of, like, Crazy Love and caught on to his message, I was like, this is challenging. And it feels like he's pushing the church to a deeper place of, you know what I mean? So anyway, all that to say, like, I'm just saying, like, I totally get what you're saying. And I just wanted to make fun of that for a second, because anyone who wouldn't think that uh, is probably lying with themselves or lying to themselves a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I always say this too. Francis is the real deal. You know, yeah. like I 
I got to know him in a way that most people didn't get to know him, you know, in his home with his family, with his kids, like just, we were really good friends and I will say he's the real deal. So he had people in his, it's not a very large home and he had people living with him out of prison, like just staying with them, staying with their family and their little, and their little kids and, um, and giving all, you know, a lot of his stuff away to other people, including me, you know, I didn't make a lot of money in San Francisco. I was in ministry and needed a car and he's got an old car. It's like, you know, here, take it like computers, like just whatever was needed. He just wanted to make sure that everyone who was a part of the work there have what they needed. I know gives a lot of money away to around the world. And yeah, so he's the real deal, even though some of the things that I'm saying can, can come across like kind of skeptical of the work we were doing um, right, right, on a right. personal level. Like he, he really does believe what he says and he really stands behind that with his actions. So, and um, I, don't, and I don't want to say, I don't want, I don't want you to interpret me saying like big name as in like all hype or anything like sure. that. But I'm just, I just mean like, I think, Many people in the Christian world would know who he is because of like things like you said, passion or, you know, like I've read his books, Multiply with, you mentioned David Platt, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so anyway, all that to say, that's great. I mean, that's cool, man. I love it when I hear that leaders are, I don't know, the same behind closed doors as they are on stage, you know what I mean? And not just, I don't know, performing, I suppose. Yeah, I think I also I relate to the whole idea of people acting differently around the big pastor than they would when it, with him not around in the church setting. You know, I think it's a pretty common thing. Yeah, people yeah. want people want to look good. They want to present or put their best foot forward. Um, totally. I could, I mean I don't know any celebrity pastors like that, but I could imagine. I mean I just know the pastors at our own church. Like <laughs> people always, you know. They suckle, act, they act, suckle up. Yeah, they suckle up a little bit, which <laughs> is funny. I mean, I've never like really partook in that community just because I'm like, dude, it's just another freaking guy. Yeah. Like he shits in the same bro, toilet. Bro, why would you stop idolizing <laughs> your leader, bro? <laughs> that's the Christian way of putting it. Yeah. Exactly. But, yeah. yeah. I, I can imagine that's a real thing, especially with somebody as big as that guy. Um, it's cool though. You probably got a lot of like, I'm interested to hear more about like your experience with him, but you probably got to knowing him on that that level and coming through the story you have it's cool that you you still speak super highly of him i, I sorry I, I keep it we keep on cutting you off i want to hear like the rest like this whole this whole thing this is intriguing no it's all good jump in wherever yeah i mean <laughs> so you guys are, you guys are planning churches right so you, people would be super engaging when he's speaking at your house and then when he's gone it's not as much that's where you left off i feel like yeah and i just i feel like you know, I was in leadership in the church. We had maybe two other pastors as well, and then Francis. And it's it's tough. It's tough with, you know, I guess like he's just anyone like that is. Uh, it's it's hard when it comes to like power, and I think just people, even in leadership, it's like you can't really push back. You can't really question authority when someone is that. I think just gener- in general, like you were saying, just any pastor of any church, it's tough to. This is why, you know, maybe I question elder boards a little bit. It's like, is it, is it really a sharing of power when someone has a significant more amount of power just by having the ability to, to, to teach and have the podium and have, have that? Yeah. I don't know. But we, I've definitely felt that a lot. It's kind of, you know, we had, we had what looked like shared leadership, but it really wasn't. It's just hard to have that when someone has so much power, whether they want that or not, like it's just, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to have that, but. Mm. Yeah, I guess the next big stop in the story is I mentioned we did a lot of our ministry in Bayview District. 
the pastors and I, we would get up in the morning and head to the offices, which were in the Bayview district at that, at that men's uh, recovery home that I mentioned. And we would pray, we would go up on the hill, we called it. It was this basically where the projects were up this hill in the Bayview area there. And we would try to just go talk to people, lots of like knocking on doors, lots of street ministry and super uncomfortable conversations with people. And I just remember one day, one of our pastors was a bit more connected to the, to the, uh, the gang scene in, in the Bayview. He knew a lot of the different kind of players in that scene. And and he had heard that there was going to be in one of the projects that we did ministry in, there was going to be a kind of a war almost there's like it was going down this day and and so and we had been we had been up not witness to but we had been there for a lot of drive-by shootings and different people that we knew in the different communities that had you know died and gotten killed and you know go to be with the families and that kind of thing so we had we had seen that but this was the first time it was like <laughs> before it happened we were gonna like go there and he thought that he had this idea of like if we get the church bring the whole church up there and go to, there's like a basketball court in the middle of this project, one way into the project. And we like the basketball court was like towards the back of that, of the projects there. And he thought, let's get, let's get everyone on the basketball court. We'll just worship, we'll pray. And that will potentially, when they see us there and they feel our presence, plus the prayer and all that, they will, that will make things better. Or maybe there won't be a war. I don't know. I don't know. But so that's what we did. We brought the whole church there. It's like one of my most vivid memories of my time in San Francisco. And so it's me and this other guy, I think are the only, might've been one other of our pastors there. Francis wasn't there that day, but so we're just standing there, we're praying, we're singing. And then the the shooting just starts and there's gunfire all around us. And this is, these are like probably 14, 15, 16 year old kids that are running around with pistols in this, in this neighborhood. And so we see him like ducking in behind buildings and all around us. And, and our group prays louder, sings louder. And I'm just starting to get really uncomfortable. I'm starting to like shake because I don't think, I mean, this, most of these kids like know us, but I'm not, I'm not afraid, I guess, that they're going to intentionally shoot one of, um, one of us, but you know, a 14 year old running around with a pistol, someone's going to accidentally get shot. And then I'm responsible for, we got kids yeah. here. We got women and children and families yeah. on this basketball court. And so I'm kind of like Jeez. looking at the other pastors and just kind of like trying to make eye contact. And like, you know, I think we need to call it. I think we need to get out of here because now it's actually going down. And they're just kind of like praying harder, lifting their hands higher and singing louder. And I'm just like, ah, this is, this is not good. So I ended up just kind of leading a, a small group of people that were also kind of feeling the same way out. And we got out of there. Nothing happened. I just remember going back to my apartment after and just like sitting there just shaking and then like feeling so much guilt, feeling so much shame of like being the one that didn't have the faith to. I think our group honestly believed that if a bullet was coming, that the Lord would like turn the bullet around. And yeah, yeah, you know, and so like you you had guilt for for feeling badly for leaving. Not having enough faith. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if you look at my whole journey, it's about. It's yeah. about al- always feeling that, always feeling like I wasn't good enough. Uh, God didn't love me enough because I, or God didn't love me because I wasn't good enough. I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't on fire enough. And now here's the test, right? And I, 
I mean, like the bullet test, right? The, if yeah. someone's got a gun to your head and now I couldn't even, someone didn't even have a gun to my head and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And I, so I just remember feeling a lot of guilt as the one that didn't have the faith and psychologically it was just, it was rough. And wow. that was sort of a pivotal moment because after that, <laughs> that's when, that's sort of where, I mean, Tim, Tim comes into the, Tim was also working with Francis at a different church, but he was working with Francis as well. And we were part of that first ministry I mentioned together. And so I would always just kind of, we were part of different churches so we could kind of get together, debrief and share insights into each other's ministries a bit. Cause we weren't a part of it, you know, just kind of separate a little bit. So you have more better take on maybe what the other person's going through. And so right about that time is when we started just reading a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that was sort of outside the circle that, you know, that our circle, our reformed circle allowed us or told us it was good to read, you know, just got into reading a lot of stuff about hell and kind of started challenging my view on like what hell is and women in leadership and power and LGBTQ topics and lots of different things like that. And I, specifically the hell one, so much of what we did in San Francisco was motivated by, by hell and saving people. Saving people, saving yeah. souls. And so that was a big, when that started to go for me and it all, I started questioning everything after that, that experience on the basketball court. It's like, it's just, everything just started kind of crumbling a bit and like, what am I teaching? What am I, what am I saying? Why does this feel, why do I feel guilt for doing what is actually the right thing to do in this situation? You know, right. my faith is telling me, my, my tradition is telling me that's, that's not what I was supposed to do. My, my radical tradition, I guess. But my body is telling me, no, like, get the hell out of there. You know, like, <laughs> that was that was big. And so, like, that was sort of the end of San Francisco a bit was starting to learn with Tim. I, I always say, like, I'm like the, you know, those fish that, like, swim along with the shark. <laughs> the shark's, like, eating the stuff and the fish are, like, eating the little scraps. Like, that was sort of me. Tim's the academic. I kind of pick up the scraps. And um, so he was reading Rene Girard. And it's like, oh, my view on atonement is starting to change. My view on hell is starting to change. And. Yeah. So that's, I left San Francisco, like burnt out because if, you know, if you weren't doing ministry 24 seven, if you weren't knocking on doors every minute in your free time, it just felt so much guilt and yeah. so much shame from that. And and then I left San Francisco also just disillusioned with the whole church thing. It's like, I thought this was going to be like this authentic, real experience where we cut the, you know, fog machines and we cut the loud worship music and we cut the stage lights and production of it all. We're going to see like real genuine stuff happening and that's wasn't what i saw i saw i saw more of the same like you know fake contrived nature of of it all and yeah and i also left with like all these questions like i kind of took a step back from teaching at the time because it's like i don't i don't think i believe in hell <laughs> not the hell that we've created i don't i don't believe in that anymore and so how can that if that was such a big motivator for me motivator for our ministry like how can i keep doing this how can i keep teaching this so that was right. that's how I left San Francisco and, and returned back mm. to Portland mm. was with all of that. And I, I can talk about it now and I can like make sense of it now. But at the time, I, I couldn't even I didn't even have these words that I have now at the time. It was uh, just did did you leave? Was it like a what was that leaving process like? You're like, hey, I'm just resigning or was it? Uh, well, what did that look like? Because I've had a similar experience. I just yeah, perspective on it. I brought I brought a lot of my I mean, I had over the years brought a lot of my issues, I guess, to Francis and, and, and just the other leaders. And it wasn't really listened to. It wasn't really wanted. <laughs> um, yeah. and so kind of disillusioned with that as well. Just like, I don't know if, if we can't even have that where we can't even, you know, I'm like your right hand guy and 
I don't even have input in this, then that's, that's more of that like power stuff I'm talking about. It's just kind of those dynamics of, of leadership that are, I don't know, kind of, kind of tough. And so, yeah, so I, I did bring that to him. Like when I was leaving just again, like here's sort of some of the stuff, but honestly, I didn't have a lot of these words at the time. It was just kind of like, I don't know what that was. I don't know what that time in San Francisco was, you know, just yeah. in this whirlwind of, of craziness. It felt like, and I remember like even a, a lot of the other leaders and church members were like, what's Nate doing? Like, why is he, why is he giving up on this? You know, like, this is, this is it. Like we're doing it. Like, what's he doing? Like, he's crazy. And it's been since, you know, since the show started and these last few years here where like a lot of those same leaders have reached back out to me. A lot of church members have reached out to me and be like, I get it now. I like, I see what you were, I see what you saw. Um, even if you couldn't articulate at the time, like I see, I see what you saw and like, I also had to get out. So yeah. 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 So even though you didn't have maybe the language at the time, you just knew something's not right. Something's off. I need to take a step back. So what year was that when you went back to Portland? I was, what year is it right now? <laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> Honestly, it was 2015. <laughs> 2015. 2015. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. we were we were pregnant as well. And so it all made sense too. San Francisco is a really expensive city to live in and yeah. kind of come back, come back home to Portland a bit. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. What a journey, man. That's... That's kind of wild. Yeah. Do, I, you, do you mind? Or go, you go ahead. I, I always just, cut. I always cut you off. What, so what? you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say I can relate on the uh, multiple levels, but specifically the kind of leaving and not really in looking leaving a ministry job and and thinking this is like I'm doing the right thing here, but then looking back at it years later and realizing, holy crap, there's like, there was so much to that. And I'm so thankful for this big move. You know, I, I went to, I went to Bible college in Los Angeles and then worked at a church down there. And then I went home to visit my family after something. And then I like, uh, I got home and on the way home, I felt, you know, God say, that's what I thought at the time, at least, that I needed to move back and I needed to leave, leave, leave yeah. my job at the church and then break up with this girl that I was dating. And um, it was all these things. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Like, this is totally backwards of all that I wanted to do. Like, I wanted to have the youth pastor job, which I had. I wanted to be married to this chick, which was, and the, the crazy part was the stuff with all those things were doing super well because I was like two and a half, three years into the job. And like about to get engaged to this girl. And then I couldn't get this idea of, I need to leave out of my head. Mm. And it wasn't, it wasn't as a result of, I couldn't verbalize in the moment. Like the leadership here is kind of kooky or I couldn't yeah. verbalize that I'm extremely or challenge it or yeah, I couldn't challenge. I, I didn't, I didn't have that like emotional wherewithal to like to express any of those things. But now looking back, I'm like, there was some like pretty unhealthy practices and I think it was just it was a younger version of myself obviously yeah. and so it's it's interesting just to look back on big moves like that and realize that it is kind of part of a bigger plan you know like mm-hmm. I wouldn't have met my wife I wouldn't have met David and ultimately it wouldn't have started this this life-saving show because <laughs> <laughs> we're clearly saving people with <laughs> no, this podcast I'm just, joking. I'm just joking that was so stupid um but <laughs> But seriously, I just, I wouldn't, so much of my life wouldn't have happened if I would have stayed down there. I just would have gone on a whole different trajectory. And, um, 
yeah, I think it was it literally that was probably the biggest move of my life ever. Mm-hmm. And to to see where I am now emotionally, theologically, I mean, relationally in every aspect. Yeah. Just completely different. So that's yeah, it's crazy, man. I totally relate to you on that on that level. It's it's a unique move moving away from full time ministry and starting to question those things. And I think it's totally. just an, it's a necessary thing for for anybody, not necessarily to leave ministry, but to start, you know, questioning. And I think you said that power construct, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Being conscious of those those dynamics is super crucial, I think. Because when you're in it, you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's a leader. Like, we kind of just do what he says. And it's kind of like just submit, you know. Mm. And uh, I don't think that's ever going to work out, you know, long term. And it's always, it what it does is it caters, it caters to weak sheep. And it kind of keeps them in that place. And well, and everything's about <clears throat> serving what their vision is, what they, what I, that, that's the, that's something that I, that I'm really put off by in a lot of like quote leadership is it's like, so you're, you have this super awesome calling on your life. You get to mm-hmm. speak at these big conferences. You get to have these awesome books. Mm-hmm. And then what's my role to support it? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's a big thing out there that's like, we're all leaders, but not really. Uh huh. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's that's the, the subtext. Like, that's yeah. the issue with with big <laughs> with big church pastors. It's like, okay, because human nature is to idolize anybody on stage or anybody that's cool or hot, and so you're like, okay, if I see this Chad Veach or this what's the guy's name Francis Chan, like, that's the ideal version of what I should be. Hmm. And I mean, that's how my personality is. Well, then you try to be, become like that yeah, person like, okay, in every if, way. A successful Christian in my, you know, if he's, if, if I want to be like him, that's what it's like to be a successful Christian. Then I got to go do what it takes to get there. And some guys, they don't have that quality or that ability and they're never going to get there. And they're always going to feel like they're failing. And totally. I don't know, man, I think fundamentally like uh big church pastors, I don't think it's going to like, there's, there's got to be a way to do it to where you don't. Uh, dude, this is such a big conversation, but there's got to be a way to do it where it's not, uh, where you don't take advantage of young, uh, like weak sheep that just follow. Hmm. And there's always going to be that with any amount of leadership. I don't know. I, Which I, isn't I, even to say that that's your story exactly. Yeah, like, and I don't think you. Yeah, yeah, I feel like you got taken care of or taken advantage of. I just, I think of like in my experience, all the young kids that came up through church and like, man, I want to be just like him. And like, yeah, dude, like go for it. But don't, I don't know. Just the idea of a stage and somebody being idolized is, I think it's going to always happen, but I think we need to be cautious of how we use it from the church perspective. But yeah, it's a big, big conversation, but what's jumping out of you over there, Nate? Yeah. I mean, I definitely resonate with a lot of that. Yeah, it's processing. I'm processing here. Um, well, I have one thing I would like to point out if you want to think on something. Yeah, yeah, go Or for if it. you want to. Okay. So one thing that in listening to your story that I really resonated with, you talked about this crazy stuff is going on. And it sounds like that was like the inciting incident that like led to. Like you, It sounds like you can trace it all back to that one moment. It's not, it, it's that shooting weird, mo- crazy moment. So like what I hear you describing is, okay, so there's all these people and you're just saying, we're going to be good. We're, you know, God's going to protect us. 
And I feel like at the end of the day, you're kind of suppressing your own instincts because clearly that's not safe <laughs> or very wise. I, I would say if I could be so bold, like it's the, I don't know if you've heard of the people like going to try to hug ISIS and they, they, mm. and then they literally get killed. Oh. Or it reminds me of like more like ridiculously is like, you know, that scene in Rambo when the missionaries come. <laughs> yes. And he's like, do you bring any guns? And they're like, no, we didn't bring any guns. We brought Bibles. And he's like, <laughs> well, that's not going to do much here. <laughs> like if you want change, there's got to exactly. be bloodshed or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, all that to say, I mean, and this is very much a buzzword, I feel like, in deconstruction and ex-evangelical adjacent kind of conversation, but uh, like trauma. Like I would yeah. say you were very traumatized and you had to do, like you were doing so much where you're like, oh, I, I just need to pray. I need to have more faith. By God's estimation, I'm not good. I'm not doing enough or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I would just have to say like for you, like, I mean, did that, I don't want to, put words in your mouth, but did that have a lot to do with like you ultimately stepping back in hindsight? Yeah, I think totally. I, and again, like, I don't think I knew at the time, like why I was stepping back. I just knew that I thought this was going to be, you know, I, I had, I idolized Francis for a while. I'd idolized at least someone that was that on fire for Jesus, right? Like it could have been anybody, but like just someone that was that on fire for Jesus, that was giving everything away. That was, you know, apparently experiencing the Holy spirit like daily and, and I was like, okay, that's what I want. I want to be around that. I want to be like in the midst of that because then I'm going to be experiencing those things as well. And then I think I just got like close to it all and saw it all. And I think I was just empty. I was like, this is, it's not actually happening. It's not, it's not real. We're, it's contrived. Like we're kind of making up these stories a bit with all within good intention. Like I think everyone's doing it with good intentions. Um, and some people don't even know they're doing it probably, but yeah, it was just, just felt fake. I think I just felt empty leaving San Francisco. And that, I think that the, the kind of the shooting there, like was sort of the kind of a, like, you know, literally a, like a wake up call of like, do you really believe like these things that you're saying? Do you really believe that like in hell and that it's, you know, we're supposed to live these radical lives of putting ourselves in harm's way so that we can see God come through. And, and I don't think it was until like coming back to Portland. So really these last like five, six years back in Portland, I remember like when I got here, it was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, for the first time really in my adult life, I was like, I'm not going to pursue leadership. I'm not going to pursue ministry. I may not go to church, <laughs> you know, just like, I just need a break. I need a break. Yeah. yeah. I need to maybe a permanent break. I just, you know, I need to like step back from all this. It's not about, you know, what church am I going to start? I remember just getting the questions like, well, what are you going to do next? Like, what are you going to start next? Like, what are you going to lead next? And I was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm just not, I'm going to take a break. And I'd been connected with Tim Mackey Bible project. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he was teaching at a church in Portland at the time. And I was like, I'm just going to go. I respected the way he, he handled the Bible and the way he saw the Bible. And um, it, it felt like it was something different than the way I had been given that in the past and the way I had given it to other people in the past. So kind of just listened to him for a year, just like, kind of blew my mind about, uh, you know, I don't know if you've heard, gotten it, if anyone listening, got to go check out. Um, he gave this talk. He's given it a number of times, but the best recording of it um, is on Vimeo. And it's, uh, it does this thing called Bible in the making. And I think he gave it in San Francisco. And it's like an hour 30, hour 45. It, it, if you don't want to 
see behind the curtain of like how the Bible was made, then don't watch it. But um, this this is <laughs> like what all scholars know about the formation of the Bible. And it's like, if you're going to read this thing, if we're going to like pull little nuggets out of it, you got to know like what it is. And so I think for me in that year of kind of learning from him and and then starting to read like a bunch of stuff that was outside the outside the allowed circle, um, that what used to be the allowed circle in my reformed tradition, really just started opening my eyes. And like I think for a while it kind of I, I became even more disillusioned with Christianity and with mm. um with the faith and with the doctrines and all that kind of I was just like, I don't think any of it's <laughs> I don't think any of it's real. And pretty, you know, they talk about the dominoes falling. I think we did an episode about that. Uh, I think, oh, it's called the slippery slope. I think it's the slippery slope. Yeah. yeah. I, was gonna, I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think we're all so afraid of the slippery slope, you know, it's even got like kind of connotations of this, this bad thing, you know, I mean, a slope is something you fall down, but it's also something you snowboard down and something you skateboard down. Like there's, there's positive experiences with slopes, I guess too, but um, it's not generally the way it's talked about. And you guys are in Bend, so I'm sure snowboarders yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, shred the gnar, bro. You gotta, you gotta hit that pow pow. I mainly just, I mainly just sled. That's hilarious. Okay. okay. Well, that's more, that's just, more my eye level. Sure. Right there too, so. <laughs> so I can't it's imagine a, a, a more different contrast between. <clears throat> so I know you mentioned when you moved back to Portland, you were like, not starting anything. I'm not gonna do leadership. I'm not even gonna look for a church. But Tim Mackey is like, in terms of like brand versus like, say, a Francis Chan, totally different. You know what I mean? I would, I would kind of, I would say like Francis Chan is like very like, I don't want to say emotional, but he's, he, he does have like those very passionate, like. It's like Fruit Loops to Grape Nuts. (laughs) Well, Tim Mackey's like very like intellectual, like he's very scholarly. He's very. Grape Nuts. He's he's all about the grape nuts. I actually haven't heard him that much. My mom my mom has told me to listen to him. My mom's come up so much to this podcast. You keep talking about your mom. You have mommy issues, bro. I guess so. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I not even to say that it's all about like these these guys in particular. But I'm just I'm just saying I feel like maybe that is like somewhat telling of like where you were at at certain places or whatever. Like yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I felt that too. I felt like, I mean, just in listening to him and just, I mean, and I don't want to just like lift up these certain people, but like, yeah, you're right. Like just in reading and just, uh, I think just headed down this different direction. I think that the feelings that I were, that I was feeling were totally different, right? Like guilt was gone and suddenly it was like, wow, just like rest and peace. Like these are the words I would, I would use to talk about my existence, not, not this guilt or not this like pressure to, to do something, you know, even though I come from the reformed tradition of, you know, it's all paid for. All you gotta do is accept it. Right. But like, and Francis is in that tradition, David Platt's in that tradition, but there it doesn't feel like it. It feels like it's a lot of earning and it's a lot of proving and a mm-hmm. lot of uh, yeah, measuring up and showing that you're a true Christian. So yeah, yeah I, I mean, Portland was coming back to Portland was, you know, and then like even the realization of like, I don't need to convert anyone, you know, I'm not, I, it's not like a, a thing that I go, you know, you just like you get into a, a friendship with someone, you meet someone at a bar. Like, it's just like you have that feeling of like, yeah, it's a cool dude. But like eventually I'm gonna have to have that awkward conversation with them. You know, like I just remember <laughs> thinking that in the past, like there yeah, is there is a point in the future where I have to have an awkward conversation. And that that was gone. Like I, that was not That's a thing awesome. anymore. It's like, wow, I can just actually meet other humans and see the humanity in them. And, yeah. you know, just enjoy them and there's something to learn from everybody and 
Yeah, that was just that was huge. Yeah. That's big time, man. What um I got a couple of thoughts. Yeah, yeah. First is a thought, then a question. I I completely resonate with like the whole lack of guilt and lack of and maybe it's just the season I'm I'm in with my life right now. And I don't know if you were talking about specifically when you first moved back or where you're at currently, but like this concept of like really not having a lot of like guilt or not having a lot of like stress. And I think when I first went down the path of like, you know, deconstructing, hmm. I, I think that I hate that word, but like, I, know. Uh, <laughs> I think that I was like, Oh gosh, so, so fearful. Not even that fearful. I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this or not. Like, it was just a slow burn for me and maybe there was some trauma that like, like helped me into the at least initial, uh, questioning things. But I'm currently at a place where I'm like, man, life is so freaking good. Like, and and Mm -hmm. I haven't, and it's, it's weird because the way I measured kind of how life was pre this stage of life, it was like, okay, how often are you reading your Bible? How many people have you talked to the Lord about? How often are you praying? How often are you worshiping? Like, did you, get a word in worship you have you cried in worship you know it's not like a like tally but it kind of was in my head i'm kicking keeping track of like how many honestly this is my personality like how many heightened emotional experiences have you had in worship this month Mm -hmm. and that would be my kind of my gauge and i barely get that i actually i I have had like a couple weeks ago i met up with my buddy and afterwards i i listened to some worship music in the car and just bawling which hasn't happened in years but maybe it's something god's doing in my heart right now but i don't know man i'm like freaking so low stress and so low like guilt even like this is a bizarre one even with all the shit that that's happened with trump and i might get flack for this maybe not flack whatever even that and even now like the relief of of biden coming in i don't maybe it's my lack of desire to uh pay attention to politics and everything that's happening in the world but i don't i just have like this really I kind of feel like this little perma baked, like, like it's all good, dude. Like, I just feel like I'm in like this weird spot, man. And I'm not baked. I mean, I'm I'm not high at all. I just, (laughs) I just like, I have like this, I don't know, man. I I relate when you say like, just like this lack of guilt and lack of stress. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I'm just like resting easy in the idea that like, like, (laughs) it sounds so freaking funny listening to me saying this, but I just, I don't know, man. I, I, I feel like I'm at a spot personally where I just, I'm so content with where we're at, mm-hmm. and I haven't read my Bible in who knows how long. I haven't been to church. I haven't done those sort of things, but I just, I feel like the Lord, I don't know. I just, I feel like God is a lot more happy with us with what we're currently doing and living than, like, we expect. And to put, to put like, parameters on that or to put measures on that is pretty limiting mm-hmm. to, I think, like, his... I don't know, man. I'm verbally processing all this, but it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So like Jake and I, I would say are both in a very different place in terms of deconstruction or doubt or in terms of like the, I would say like the intensity maybe. I was wondering, I'm I'm wondering where you, you know, where you guys are, I guess a bit on the scale. I'm, I'm more on the fuck everything side and Jake's (laughs) probably more on like the, more hopeful sure uh, yeah not even i think I, I would actually say i'm still pretty hopeful but but i think that you're probably i don't know like i think it's less poignant for you but you you could you could be the judge of that yeah i, I would say that 
I, I'm genuine or in general less opinionated about everything and <laughs> less <laughs> less expressive about a lot of things. Yeah. At least. Did you just say I'm opinionated? <laughs> yes. <laughs> At least, and honestly, that comes from a place of like, I kind of just don't genuinely have a th- like thoughts on a lot of things. It's more just like if it comes up in a conversation. I don't like just spend my time thinking about like, I don't know, dude. Yeah. I, I think I think my where sure. I'm at compared to where you're at, David. Um, we get into this a lot, by the way, on the podcast. <laughs> like, I would say, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a good thing. I would say I am, I still would call myself a Christian. Absolutely. Um I want to, I want to ask you guys a question and it's going to maybe lead yeah. into somewhere, but like, I just, I'm listening to you and it, it just, I don't know, kind of feels some of the things that you're saying, Jake, I'm like, I don't know if I would say that. Like, I don't think I'm at that place maybe, but I'm just curious, like where, like, why, do, why are you guys maybe each individually just answer too? like, why, why do you still believe in God? Like, why do you still associate with the Christian story? Like, why, why does it still, why is this still something that's important to you? Yeah. Let me start. I'll start. Yes. And yeah. we will let and we will let Nate interview us on our podcast. So <laughs> yeah, that's I love great. it. I love it. That's what I'm all about. Um, what was it again? Like exactly. So like, what what are you what are you what uh, compel compels you? The power of Christ compels you. Like, the, what is the Christian? What is compelling to you about the Christian story? Why are you still? Yeah, like why you know, is this just the refreshingly honest podcast? Honest podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me. I call myself a Christian still, and I um, believe strongly, you know, in God still. You're all um, about Jesus. I'm about Jesus. I'm about the the life and the the guy of Jesus. Um, the white Jesus. White Jesus, obviously. <laughs> Six foot two, ripped. With He's the got long, like, long blonde, long yeah, blonde hair. Beautiful brown hair. Chris, he looks like Thor. Um, does, he have a does he have a machine gun or? <laughs> Yeah, okay. I I can't. Uh, I've had some so many experiences and still have experiences where I like I can't I can't call that anything other than God. The biggest thing, the biggest reason I have this podcast for myself, or the motivator for me, is to allow people to discuss the doubts that they have and the struggles they have around the church because I think it is such a broken. The church itself is a broken thing, and I don't think that a lot of the practices we see in the church were ever meant to be implemented. They just don't reflect the heart of Jesus at yeah, all. They don't reflect yeah. that. And sure. yeah. and power plays have gotten in the way. Trump. People, <laughs> Trump's example. People's yeah. people have gotten in the way. And I just I don't know. The motivator for me in this podcast and the motivator for me still calling myself a Christian is I really believe that this is like the principles alone of pure Christianity. Or Christianity in its truest form, which that probably is a debatable term. I think the principles, if applied, will lead you to have have the the best life. And a lot of those principles are are similar, you know, across any religion. But I genuinely think that this is just the the best way to do life. And maybe that's narcissistic. Um, well, and it's also, to be fair, what you were raised with. Yep. So there's yep. that bias, absolutely as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and someone could say all the experiences I've had, I've all the experiences I've had have been fabricated, or they were just an overwhelming emotion. And maybe some of them were, you know, inflated. But I can't like deny a feeling I get. It sounds so like naive, or not naive, but 
I don't know. I can't deny like the experiences I've had and, mm. um, and it, and it resonates with you resonates with me. And I still really, really, really like the idea of people developing as humans. And I think a, yeah. if these principles and the concept of like love is applied, it can really, that's like the, that's like the core of any amount of development and progression. And that's like, that's what gets me off. Like <laughs> seeing people, it gets you off, <laughs> gets me going. That Seeing people like come from one place. That's, that's not successful or, you know, to a, a different and better place. Transformation, like, seeing people transformation, yeah. like yeah. for lack of, yeah, exactly. Like I, I'm, a, that's what I like. And I think that like, if understanding and like if understanding God's principles, Jesus' principles, and like having experience with Him can help you transform, then I'm all about it. I think what's interesting about what you just said, and maybe we'll transition to my answer because we do want to get back to you, Nate. By the way, um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I would say, based on a lot of the conversations I've had with a lot of atheists, in particular, they would wh- what they would hear what what you just said, Jake, is well, then Christianity is no better. It's just the same as self-help. It's really just a crutch for you to, to lean on to help whatever. Hmm. Um, so I'm, I guess I'm, I don't know why I have to filter it through that. Yeah, no, no, that's good. But, and I think to that, I would just say like, you can totally think that it's hard for me because I'm like, I'm not going to like, you're not going to argue or debate. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You can totally think that. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and the thing for me too, I, I didn't mention this. I really struggle with the idea of calling, I call myself a Christian to a Christian, Christian audience. But if I wasn't in a Christian audience, I wouldn't say, Hey, I'm a Christian. Like you want to talk to me? I'm not going to lead with that. Absolutely not. Like, yeah. I don't think from a non-Christians, from a Christian's perspective, I don't think they think I'm a Christian from my, the practices I have in my life. But from a non-Christian's perspective, I might be considered one. Um, well, you're, you're, you're not an idiot. You're aware that that term like when, by the way, when loaded. Tim was on yeah. the show, like when Tim was on the show, that was something he's like, I would never with my, fr- with the people I work with at Patagonia, I would never say I'm a Christian because associated with that is and even relevant at the time. Still, mm-hmm. it was associated with like Trumpism and you know, whatever, all this like fucked up shit. And then that immediately paints you as like a bigot, an idiot for yeah. good reason. You know, and we see that. I'm know. less I'm less concerned about the title of Christian. <laughs> yeah. And for me personally. And uh Can I can I answer concerned. now? I'd love to answer. Please, yeah, go for it. Okay. So actually I'm really I wasn't finished, but you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so first sure. of all, I actually am really thankful for you asking this question because I've actually recently been thinking about this. So so this idea like and I would call us a deconstruction podcast like where we get into doubts and we kind of explore some of our questions and, and all of that. And, and truthfully we're, we're trying not to, I think at the end of the day, not trying to spoon feed and just kind of like sheepdog into belief. That's really not the goal here. Mm. So there's that, but honestly, I think, God, I, I always say honestly, and I don't mean to refreshingly, I think refreshingly, honestly, when I think about it, <laughs> so stupid. Do you ever do that? Like heret- almost heretically? Like, oh yeah. Um, I think we say, you know, I mean, this is almost heretical, but I'm, I'm just like, oh, Jesus can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so no, but so actually when I look back on when we started this podcast, I think for me, if I were to be honest with myself, the reason I led with the term Christian 
was because I think for me, there was a part of me that, that whatever like religious indoctrination that however you want to describe it, I was, I was absolutely still like trying to like hang on to that. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Because I'm, I'm well aware that deconstruction, you're fundamentally questioning everything and you don't know exactly if you're, and if you are honestly exploring, you don't know where you're going to end up. You know, you're not leading with the answer and then asking the question. You're genuinely asking the question and then seeing where it leads, you know? And so as a person with a ton of doubts, I I think for me, it was just like, okay, I want to be honest about that. But I would say similar Similarly to you, Jake, and I do still call myself a Christian, and I don't think it's just out of this fear that, like, oh, that's the worst thing that could happen is that I backslide or that I, you know, whatever. Um, but I do think that there is something about Jesus that I like <laughs> <laughs> and that I'm into. And and in the way that it was presented to me, I think there's something, and I would actually probably echo just a lot of what you said about Wow, like, so just so you know, Nate, the person that, like, really, like, got me on fire for the Lord was John Mark Comer, based out of Portland. Yep, yep. And uh, I found his Loveology series when I was, like, a senior in high school, and for whatever reason, that message was just so, like, potent for me at the Mm. time, because I I just went through a breakup. I was, like, sleeping around with my—I was, like, sleeping around with, like, girls throughout high school here and there. And I was like, wow, I just need a better way. I was definitely, I wasn't a slut. I was (laughs) just, uh, (laughs) but you're such a slut, David. But honestly, I I did find myself (laughs) like the dramatic telling of this. I was like, I was on my knees, big crying out. Like, I just didn't know what to, you know, I just needed a better way. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Cause I, I'd found like what I was doing. It wasn't working. And so this girl, this like Bible thumping girl, that I was friends with was like, here, you should listen to this randomly. Cause we live in bend and like, right. I never would have heard about this guy or whatever. And so literally that, that his ministry, John Mark, his style, his teaching, and we all know it. It's very like, I don't even want to make fun of it, but like, it's, it's too good to make fun of dude. I, that I don't like, I don't even know how to like do his accent it's, it's the timing of what yeah. he says. It's it's so it's so identify it's easily it's so easily identifiable because all the pastors that came after him at the church do the same thing. But that's the thing. You have a oh, friend who worked on staff there who yeah. like became like and he, this guy is super cool by the way. But like oh he is yeah. But he like talks just like him. The way he intonates his voice. Yeah. The, the way he yeah. It's so funny how how different church people or followers of that. Specific pastor have that same thing. I'm sure you saw stuff with Chan oh, the same yeah. way. Oh yeah, everyone yeah. just becomes a mini mini version of the person. Yeah, you know, if you're gonna teach, if you're yeah. gonna get it, like, yeah, I had a lot of friends that were like really into Piper. Jeez. Uh, Anyways, and they like they did the you know the same like holds his hand the way he preaches the way he like I don't know talks yeah. and uses his hands when he yeah yeah I get it I get it yeah so anyway all that to say his whatever the way he's I don't want to say sold it. But the way he like talked about it, I was like, wow, this guy's smart. I feel like it's relevant to like my life. I'm into this, you know? And so I think a lot of that to this, to this day is still like, I don't know, stuck to, I guess. But anyway, man, I, it's just interesting. Like I do maintain a certain sense of what Jake said, which is we've gotten it wrong. Hmm. And I feel like if we, 
if we really, if we really truly lived and acted like Jesus, like, like, I just think we also like misunder, we, we misunderstand scripture. We misquote it. We misinterpret it, all that stuff. But yeah, man, it's interesting. I just, at the end of the day, I'm, I think Jesus is horribly misunderstood and there's a huge difference between Christian and this is why this is where you get rebrands like follower of Jesus. But I don't know, man. So I guess to tie it all back together, it's like Christian, it's like I don't know. I think I'm going to I I tried hanging on to that just because I'm like I want to reclaim that word and there's still a part of me deep down that feels like you know Jesus is the shit. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. That's I don't know. Yeah. Does yeah. that does that answer your question kind of? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Well, what about you? So you said you still call yourself a Christian. Like what is it about I know you have you mentioned like some things like hell, some things that you struggled with, some doubts. What what makes you still not allergic to that word a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm probably I feel like I'm probably farther outside the circle than, than you guys are maybe a little bit just in hearing you talk. Cause yeah, my time in Portland, just, you know, talk about like the dominoes of deconstruction. And I hate that word. And most people that have deconstructed hate that word, but I call it like faith evolution or just evolving as a human. As those dominoes started to fall I me, mean, most of the dominoes fell for me when it came yeah. to my Christian faith, I guess. And it's large part, just like understanding what the Bible actually is, like what this text is that we have or the the books that are a part of this and the books that aren't a part of this. And just this history of people trying to understand their place in the world without, you know, modern technology and modern information that we have. So, yeah, I mean, I do. I mostly do like what you were saying, uh, just about reclaiming the, the title. You know, most Christians wouldn't claim me. I don't know if any Christians would claim me. Same, especially like once they listen. I think to the they show, would claim Jake. Yeah, <laughs> they wouldn't. Yeah. They wouldn't claim me. But um, hmm. yeah, why do I call myself a Christian? Why do I so associate with Christianity? Like, why do I do a show talking about the Bible? I mean, I think where Tim and I have kind of come down is like, it's a, it's going to be a powerful book, especially in this country that we live in. Like, it's going to be a powerful book, no matter what. Like, if you can, you know, manipulate the Bible to say and be on your side then you can co-opt it for whatever. And so it's, it's, it's a powerful book in our country. It's a powerful tradition in our country. And so I, I think that's, I mean, if we talk about the show, that's why I do the show is to, we, we say this a lot, like, but give the Bible back to people for those that mm. I'm not trying to push anyone to like stay interested in the Bible. I mean, I'm very similar to you. <laughs> like I, I, I haven't read the Bible because I know what it is now. I know that it's this, it's this ancient text it's not like, it's not this thing that I just like pop open and like grab a nugget from, um, and then, you know, jump out like that, Golden nugget. you know, that's just totally different. It's just totally different for me now. And I know, I know what it is. I know that it's, I need to approach it if I'm going to, just like I would any other ancient text that, or ancient group of texts. It's really this library of, of content too. So, but yeah, why do I call it? I, I think I do to I kind of like, I intentionally do it to, to build that tension between, you know, I, it's, it's okay. So it's easy when someone like starts that journey of deconstruction or whatever, um, what does the church do? Like, I know I did this, like when they start reading these books that are outside the circle, when they start having these doubts and questions and all this, like we go, 
we go like, okay, man, yeah, I'll be praying for you. And like, they start giving them answers, start like bringing them back into the fold, like start quenching some of these doubts to kind of get them back in line a bit. But when, you know, when someone, so that's why I don't use the word struggling. I don't sound like I'm struggling with my faith. I'm not like, I don't even use the word doubt really, because that kind of has this, even though I do, I doubt a lot of the, the way that I used to think about all this doubt kind of has this idea of like, I need it to implies, be brought yeah. back. You know, I need to yeah. stop doubting and, and be sure of something. And I don't think I'm ever going to be sure of something again or, or certain. Yeah. So yeah, I, I do it to, um, intentionally create this tension where we have to, we got to wrestle. We're using the exact same religion. We're claiming the exact same religious text. We're claiming the exact same heritage and tradition. And yet I'm, I'm not saying it'd be easy for me to be like, no, I'm not anymore. I'm not a Christian. And then they'd be like, okay, sweet. You know, we can, we can go on <laughs> how we've, what we've been doing. But when, when people like me are still calling themselves Christian, I guess the hope is that we'd, we'd expand. We'd have to have these conversations. We'd have to, we'd have to address this tension of, you know, <laughs> we're, we're claiming the same text. We're claiming the same tradition and we're, we're seeing, we're going about this very different ways. I wanted to yeah. draw attention to the fact that there's there's large groups of of Christians over over his, the history of the church and last couple thousand years here where, that have not thought the same way about heaven and hell. They've not thought the same way about atonement. You know, there's yeah. a reason hell is not in the creeds. Like, you know, like, but these things that over the last you know fifty hundred years, specifically five hundred years, we think they're so important, so foundational, and they just might not have even been there in the past. So. I, I do it. I do it. I think to call other Christians to maybe a, uh, something better, something maybe that's more useful, more helpful, more good. So yeah, I'm not like all yeah. about like keeping people Christian. Yeah. And I do think it's you know it's going to be largely like what you were raised with and the religious tradition that you were raised with, whether it's Christianity or or something else. And but yeah, I mean, hopefully, I think it's science Mike McCarg that talks about it like a. And it sounds super progressive, new agey, but like talks about like this, you know, forest and um, there's all these trees that, that, you know, you can get up to the canopy level, you can get up to the top, like seeing with any of these trees, but, and you know, Christianity is the, is specifically like reformed Christianity, whatever, like that's the, that's the tree that I was introduced to. That's the tree that I have climbed. And yeah, that sounds, that sounds really, really progressive, but um, you know, but that's good. I really, I guess I really believe that, that I just want, I want people to be living good lives and I want them to be, we talk about this on the show a lot. Like what is, what is your theology? And let's not even say theology. Like what are your ideas that you're, that you believe and that you hold in the world, your worldview, your, the way of seeing other people, like what does that actually bring into the world? Is that bringing something good or is it, is it bringing something bad? I mean, let's just go like real basic here. Like we follow your theology. We follow your worldview. We follow whatever it is down the stream a bit. Like, what's the fruit of that? that? That sounds a lot like something Jesus said, you know, like what, what is the fruit of these things that you're, that you're holding on to that you're believing? Because I know the fruit of a lot of what I used to believe in my, believe in my reformed tradition was, it's not great. You know, it didn't leave me fulfilled. It didn't leave other people around me fulfilled. When I brought it to the world, they didn't want it. They didn't like it. It was awkward. And you know, and it's easy to yeah. get in that persecution complex of like, Oh, they don't, you know, they're just rejecting me. They don't like me because I'm a true follower of Jesus and they just don't want what I have. They might just not want what you have. And I think we need to like come to grips with that and, and, and go back up the stream a bit and say like, what are these ideas we're even bringing to the world? Is this good news? Is this good news for everybody? 
Yeah. Is this good news for the the marginalized? Is this good news for the poor? Is this good news for women? Is this good news for LGBTQ people? Is this good news for those people that Jesus went to? You know, I'm talking to Christians now. And so I think that's that's why I still call my Christian myself a Christian is to expand that, is to call us, I still say us, I guess, to uh, something yeah. better, something higher, something more beautiful. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I love that. Yeah, there's this thing that you made me think of. I heard, so I I, I, I would take it, you know, uh, people like Pete Holmes, Rob Bell, Richard Rohr, these these people. So yeah. I heard, I listened to You Made It Weird, like religiously. It's like Pete Holmes is basically like my pastor. Well, <laughs> not, cool. not really. But I remember I listened to his interview with Richard Rohr and he said, or maybe he was just talking about him, but he just said something about, the reason that he loves the title of calling him like a like a Franciscan or a or a friar or a uh, or a whatever like father or whatever like these ty- these labels he said like even though it's like on a egoic level like it's not your true self there's just something about it that if he was just some random guy out in the woods like who's to his thoughts like there's something about him being a part of this, whatever this, I don't want to say organization or whatever, but like, he's, he's like, uh, there's something about it that like heals you in a way because mm. like what you're saying is like, you're calling yourself a Christian and I'm calling myself a Christian. We have two completely different interpretations of what that actually looks like. And so it's, I, what I find interesting in that is I think that, I don't know. I just think that people, there's almost like a healing to that even in and of itself for people like, Hey, guess what? Like, yeah, like there's people out there in the world who call themselves Christian who aren't straight up from like the pit of hell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're terrible, awful people that are causing harm in the world. And I mean, it's interesting, man. Like I, like I've been asked a bunch, like, do you think that you're a, what's, what's it called? Like lukewarm Christian. Mm. Mm. And I'm like, no, I just think that the people who would call me a lukewarm Christian are actually lukewarm Christians. <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, and so, I mean, that's easy to point fingers, but I just think, I don't know, man. I just think that there's something to that. I think that there's, there's like a healing, I don't know. And for, even for me, man, like I'll just say like, it's been really weird with the podcast. Like either I'm too Christian for some or not Christian enough for others. Like what I've noticed in this, in this weird, like niche, if you will, Mm. of like conversation, because we've, you know, I, we've had tons of people on the show who are like across the spectrum, atheist. We've had, I mean, we've had people who are just like, just the most bubblegum Christian you could imagine, (laughs) like everything in between. But like, it's so weird. Like just recently I was talking to somebody about like, joining their possibly joining their network for their podcast. And they basically were like, Oh yeah. Like they didn't say it in these terms, but they're like, yeah, you're not like, you're a little bit too out there for us basically. And I'm like, what does that mean? (laughs) And then this other group that I was talking to, they're like, I just got the sense that I wasn't a part of the cool kids club with them, which is fun. Like, like they're so edgy. They're like, they're like, and they're more, I would say like ex-evangelical, like fuck all this, burn it down kind of, of that mind of that mm-hmm. tribe. So I, I don't know, man. I, I just, I consider myself 
more and more like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know if I identify with any one particular group as much as I used to. And there's like a freedom in that. Like a, there's like a, you know, there's almost like a John the Baptist, like in the wilderness kind of vibe to it, you know? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But also it's like, I don't know. Sometimes it, I don't know. You can feel scared or, Oh, did I? I don't know. But well, okay. Listen, I don't know how much more time you have, but I do want to ask you some some more questions. I want to I want to talk about some of those doubts. You mentioned hell a couple times, and then I want to talk about the podcast. Are you yeah. cool? With, cool. Yeah, with I that? got like we okay. can go maybe like another fifteen. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So, okay, you mentioned hell a couple times. I would I would wonder when you say that, did you read Love Wins? <laughs> <laughs> You know, in all of this, uh, even though I worked for the guy who erased Love Wins. Oh, did he? <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with Erasing him? Hell. Francis Chan wrote Erasing Hell, but I didn't. Re- I didn't know he wrote. Which that. was a I, he rings a bell, but I don't think I ever read it. Yeah, it's a response. To it's his a response book. to oh. yeah, basically to Rob Bell's Love Wins. You know, but in all of it, as much as I probably tried to get people to not read it, and and then now, I mean, even on the more progressive side, like probably would agree with a lot of it. Like I actually haven't read the book. So in all of it on, on both sides, when I was adamantly, you know, whatever vehemently against it and trying to keep people against it and from reading it or whatever, or from going that direction to universalism and now probably being a universalist or annihilate, I don't know what I am, but I haven't read the book, (laughs) but I, you know, I think it's more just, I don't even know where that, where that sort of came from. Like the it's, I, I do not recall books very well. So there were, there were probably a, a ton of books that I read. I, I do know there was, and I'm, I'm way more out there than, than this guy now, but Joshua Ryan Butler, I was at a church that he was at here in Portland for a while. Um, and he wrote a book called Skeletons in God's Closet. And I remember that was, that was, uh, an important book for me kind of at the, you know, as the, as the ship turns and your deconstruction or whatever, there's, there's, there are those books that are kind of still within the the circle that you read early on that you look back yeah. later and you're like, wow, that's I'm, I'm way past that now. You know, I'm way, I've gone way farther than that now, but that was, a, that was the first one. He was talking about genocide in the old Testament. He was talking about this idea of hell and basically just, it's crazy to me, but like when you, when you get to like the, the academic level, I'm not saying I'm at the academic level. I'm saying pretty much every academic and the Christian academic, Christian scholar, like they, they kind of all know the, it's like they all are playing with the, <laughs> with the instructions to the gamers. I mean, they know like that it's not that Jesus was talking about it. You know, that he was talking about a trash heap outside of Jerusalem. Right. Right. And, you know, we, we understand like the Dante's Inferno and where a lot of these ideas came from. And the Bible just really doesn't talk about it a whole lot. And most of what we've created, most of what comes to our mind when we think about these things, whether it's heaven or hell, just aren't, aren't really there. Um, so yeah, yeah. It, it just, it, it felt pretty easy for me to, to like move past that. It was more just the implications of that when much of my identity was, was tied up in saving souls and well, having my soul saved and all that. Well, you mentioned like awkward conversations early at the beginning. Yeah. Like that's a, I mean, I mean, dude, come on, like, let's be real. Like hell is like, the linchpin to our faith for the most part, at least with what you said, like evangelizing and like reach and trying to get everybody around you saved. Like what I say a lot is like, okay, so anything you're doing in the church, any ministry, any doctrine, whatever, like, I don't know if you've heard of the, we do this in just in startup world, tech world as well, but like the five whys, 
ask yourself five whys about about something that you're doing. And I feel like in mm-hmm. the church, if you ask yourself five whys about anything almost, you're going to get to the heaven and hell thing pretty quickly. You might not even take five whys to get there. And that's what I found is what's my motivation for, you know, I don't know, trying to live a radical life. Like, you yeah. know, I feel like that's, I'm closer to Jesus when I do that. Well, well, why? Because, you know, his demands are that we love him with all of our, our heart, like love him with everything. And well, why? Because, you know, if you, if you follow down that track, you're going to get there pretty quickly. And, and I've just, I, I find myself pushing, you know, friends or pastors that I know now on that. I was like, how is this not, how does this not all just come back to heaven and hell? Even when we talk about in the yeah. kind of the new way of looking at it all is like new creation. Right. And I, we have like, NT right and others to think for think for that but it's like new creations like yeah i'm 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 down with that like awesome that's much better but then why is there this urgency to like tell people you know right that still exists right. in most of the churches that i'm i know at least um most of the traditions that that i know and that where does that urgency come from where does that like almost like a fear of of not following these what they interpret as rules you know it's like it's got to come from that. So yeah. Uh, sorry, I cut you off there, but no, no, no. Well, it's almost like there's like a fear or a manipulation. Like if you don't do this, you're going to burn forever. But also you even mentioned like meeting like a, I forget how you said it. This is going to sound funny the way I say it, <laughs> but you said like, I'm, you know, I meet a cool guy at a bar and I know I'm going to have to have that awkward conversation later if we become friends. And it's like, but what it made me think of was, what I've seen Christians do, which is solely befriend people to have that conversation someday. There's not mm. actually a genuine oh, yeah. level of interest of friendship, which is disgusting to me. But anyway, all that to say like hell. And just so you know, like I am in a, I would, I don't know. I am in a position where I don't totally buy it the way that I think I believe for a long time. Like, Sorry to just get super heavy here really quick, but dude, my granddad is on his deathbed. I just went and saw him on Sunday. Mm. Jeez. And uh and for whatever reason in my family, like I've just been viewed as like the family priest or something. Yeah. Like they just view me as like cuz that wasn't a part of our shtick at all whatever growing up and they and my grandparents raised me. And my granddad like is like pretty out of it. He's like on drugs and like not not taking drugs. He's taking drugs so he can, sure. <laughs> you know, work through the pain. But anyway, all that to say, I walk in and he's like, he's almost, I mean, he's almost gone. So anyway, like he looks at me and he, he starts like basically crying. Like he's mm-hmm. like, he's like the Lord, like, uh, you know, I like he was really worried. And I like had everyone leave the room and I'm like talking to him and he's like, am I going to burn forever? Holy shit. Wow. Like, is God going to forgive me for what I did? And, and I turned into a confessor very quickly. Like he was like, I learned some stuff. (laughs) Mm. I'm not going to share here, but I learned some stuff about granddad that day. Whoa. And, uh, and I just, and I was, and I looked him in the eyes and it wasn't just out of like pure comfort. I just said, granddad, you're going to be okay. You're not going to (laughs) burn. Like, and I know for many people, that's just easier to stomach. Like, oh, you're just believing that, whatever. But I'm like, granddad, and I, and by the way, like, dude, like rewind like eight years ago, I remember calling my granddad, my grandparents and like leading them through the sinner's prayer. Yeah. 
because that's how like fired up I was. <laughs> like I was trying to get yeah. everybody saved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if that's what this is, then that's what you should do. If that if you're telling totally. me that everyone who doesn't believe this is gonna burn, then yes, I should be a pastor. I should be doing everything that I can. We should all be pastors. We should all be missionaries. Why the fuck are you an accountant if that's the case? Like, you should be the crazy guy on the side of the street with a sign. Hmm. So it's just so weird to, like, juxtapose that with literally this last Sunday, three days ago, where I'm able to, like, look my granddad in the eyes. and, and, And I don't know that for sure, but I'm like, granddad, you're, like, if there is a loving God and there is a heaven, you're going to go there <laughs> and it's okay. And and you don't need to worry. He was deathly afraid and he's going to die like mo- any moments. And I don't, the only reason I like share this story is just because it's like, that's how fucking real this is. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. this is like, this isn't like a lot of us are just like playing church. Like we're doing it for fun. Like, like you just feel like you're a part of a club and it's fun and you get it, whatever. And I'm like, no, I'm talking about my granddad who I'm like, my heart is like breaking for and he's, and it's causing him pain as he's about to leave, you know? And when he looks at me, he just sees like, Oh my God, there's my grandson who, you know, is on fire for the Lord, you know? And, and what that does is it makes him, you know, think of like, Oh my God, it makes him second guess, you know, like, am I, am I good? Am I, am I like, so anyway, I thought at the end of the day, it was very beautiful. Like, we had a great moment, but I mean, dude, just so you know, like, I think for a lot of people, that's like, that's like the, one of the biggest ones for me, like, and I know Jake and I are at different places with this, but like, I just flat out don't fucking buy it anymore, man. Like I don't buy that eternal torment hell. I, I and maybe it's just because that's easier, <laughs> but well, and like in um, the, I, I in the reform tradition um, that I grew up in, it's like, not only um, are some people in heaven and some people are in hell, but there's like this God, you know, where it's like, we're supposed to rejoice. I mean, I, and there's, there's Piper sermons about this. We're supposed to rejoice with God. We're supposed to rejoice that they are in hell. We're supposed to like, this is supposed to be so for the, the glory of God, you know, like his justice. <laughs> and so I just got to a place where I was like, you know, if I got so tired of, of saying things were good, that any other in any other situation in life with any other human being, I would say that's bad, you know. But like you, it's like the psychological thing where you have to call good bad and bad good, and it's because it's God, it's God doing it. So because it's God doing it, then it's actually good. Whereas like if any yeah. of us did that, it's bad. And yeah. I just got it's just it's it's like it's psychologically so draining. And yeah, it's like finally getting to a place in life where I can be like. No, like if it's bad, it's bad. If it's good, it's good. And that is not, that's not good. That's not good. And I'm not going to, it's not good news. Not, it's not good news. It's not good news. And yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say that like, that's what, you know, I, I basically I got to a place where I'm like that. If that's what, if that's what the God of that story is all about, then I don't want to be a part of that story because I don't think that's yeah. good. And, you know, I think there's a lot of, a lot of people look at people that aren't a part of people that are in the church. I know because I did this. Look at people that have either left or never been a part of, you know, they just, they either fell away or they just weren't interested, atheists, whatever. Yeah. And they, they, they think 
Christians. We think it's because they just don't want to, you know, live on that straight and narrow path. They don't want to, they want to just go and like live a wild, crazy life and um, not follow the, the mm. straight and narrow way of Jesus. What I have found, what I found in myself and what I found in other people is it's almost the opposite of that. You know, oftentimes when you get out into the quote unquote world, the scary world, what they really want is, they they feel like the church is almost limiting. They feel like that's limiting them from living the the best the the good life that they want to live. They they feel like especially in you look at a place like America right now, they they wouldn't have anything to do with Christianity. That's not that's yeah. not the road to the the good the good way of life. That's not the the road to love. It's not the road to acceptance. And so hmm. I I think it's just this misconception I, that I that I had and that I. I think a lot of Christians have of, of the way they view people on the outside is these, you know, yeah. heathens that just want to go the way have of fun. Yeah. Have fun, go the way of culture and just, <laughs> yeah. And in reality, I think it's oftentimes they won't, they don't want to be a part of the church. They don't want to be a part of Christianity because they actually want to be better than that. Yeah. Gosh. Which honestly leads to your podcast. It's like a perfect segue, almost heretical. I mean, everything we were talking about is I think to some, if not almost heretical, completely full-blown Rob Bell heretic. That's level. the most common uh, iTunes bad review we get is, and it's just getting so tiring. It's like, come up with something different, you know, almost heretical, more like totally heretical. It's like, come on, come on. I don't mind it. It's just like, come up with something more original than that. That's hilarious. Well, listen, man, I know that you, we've gone on so long and I, and I really don't want to cut us off, but I know you got to go. So I would love it if we had you back sometime. I mean, seriously, totally. I feel like we just scratched the surface. But so all that to say, where can we go to learn more about you and your podcast? All that good stuff. Yeah. So almostheretical.com is the podcast. There's links out to my stuff and Tim's stuff from there as well. But I I'd, I'd direct you there. Direct you there. I think my my favorite show we do, and I'm not, honestly, I'm not trying to plug our Patreon, but our, my favorite show we do is honestly, it's Utterly Heretical, which is our second podcast we do where it's it's a lot more conversational. It's a lot more, um, you know, Love we it. tell stories, we name names, we we get into the nitty gritty. It's less about the Bible, more about what it feels like and the experience. And so, yeah, I direct people to almostheretical.com. Check it all out there and get in touch. We love, even if we're not able to respond to everything, like we love hearing your stories. And, and that's what I would say too, is the thing that I've noticed the most, the two words that come up the most, and all the emails we get over the last three, four years or whatever we've been doing the show, I'd say, you know, like those word clouds that of like, I think like blogger used to have it like on the side, you could see like, what are the most common words that you find in this blog yeah. or in this post? The word yeah. cloud from our emails that we get, it'd be the words alone for sure. Mm. And crazy. It's like, I didn't realize yeah. when we started the show in a shed in a backyard in Bend, Oregon, that there are so many people on this journey of feeling alone and crazy. And they feel like no one else is, it's, it's just this wild thing where like so many people are on this journey and the people that are on the journey feel like no one else is on the journey. Like what, yeah. what other thing in life does, does that happen with? But yeah. So I just say like, definitely reach out and there are, there are, that's the encouragement I'd give is there. I say this to every person that emails in, like, there are so many people on this journey. You're not alone. You're not crazy. There, there's yeah. people, if you're still going to a church, there's people in the pews next to you that are feeling this exact same way. 
And one of the most freeing things for me has been to just reach out to other people, just talk to other people, start asking those questions because as hard as it is, and you know, as scary as it is to maybe find that person that isn't doing that, you got to you know try to not try with another person, but it's just so refreshing <laughs> to yeah. do that and to, <laughs> to live authentically and to actually come with all your yeah. questions and all your doubts and all your maybe certainties of a different direction and just yeah. see where the chips fall. But yeah, you're not alone. You're not crazy. And keep going. Keep a- asking those questions because it's a, it's a pretty fun journey. It's a really fun journey. Yeah. And sliding down the slippery slope is not as scary as everyone makes it sound. Take a sled down. Yeah, it's, much it's better. fun. Awesome, man. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. This was great. Thanks, guys. Yeah, nice to meet you, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right, there you have it, my friends. Thanks so much for tuning in to yet another episode of Refreshingly Honest Christian. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you got some stuff out of it. Really big fan of Nate after having a conversation with him. So please go check out his podcast, Almost Heretical. He's starting some conversations back up. They took a break, so they're jumping back in. So yeah, check it out. Also, let us know what you got from this conversation. Feel free to email us, refreshinglyhonestchristian at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter. We're also on Facebook. Uh, you can find us just type in Refreshingly Honest Christian. Feel free to send us a direct message and we will respond. And uh, yeah, we just want to connect with you, our listeners out there. Really, at the end of the day, that's who we're doing this for. We're re- recording these conversations in the hope that they help you feel less alone and crazy, as Nate said. So I hope uh, this conversation helped you in some small way. Also, if you haven't already, you can leave us a review in iTunes. And uh, if we like the rating, (laughs) if you leave us a good review uh, or just a thoughtful review, I guess, then we will read it out on the air and uh, we would just appreciate it so much. It just helps us and uh, helps the show get in front of more people. And if you've already done that, thank you for doing that. Also, we have a Patreon. If you don't already know, you can check that out at patreon.com slash refreshinglyhonestchristian. And you can engage that way. We have plenty of different rewards as a way of just trying to facilitate more of this discussion and to connect with you, our listeners. So check that out. And that is all the things I have for you. So that is it, my friends. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. And until next week, we will see you then. Alrighty, later. Talk soon. Bye.